0: Today on Commuter Bible, the life and work of Paul becomes a greater focus as a prophet predicts his incarceration and murderers plot his demise. It's Acts chapters 21 through 24 and Proverbs chapter 14. This is Commuter Bible, the audio Bible podcast to match your weekly schedule. I'm your host, John Ross. As Paul's group says farewell to the Ephesians, a Judean prophet predicts that Paul will be taken into custody if he goes to Jerusalem. But Paul is determined to go. Though he and other fellow believers try to show the Jews that Paul is not a blasphemer, it seems to be of little use. A riot ensues and Paul is attacked. The local officials step in to help, finding out later that Paul is a Roman citizen. When Paul is taken into custody by the state, a mob forms and secretly plots to kill him. That plot is discovered in a way that the mob couldn't have predicted, revealing that God is rescuing Paul from death. Acts chapters 21 through 24 After we tore ourselves away from them, we set sail straight for cause. The next day to Rhodes and from there to Patara. Finding a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, we boarded and set sail. After we sighted Cyprus, passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria and arrived at Tyre, since the ship was to unload its cargo there. We sought out the disciples and stayed there seven days. Through the Spirit, they told Paul not to go to Jerusalem, When our time had come to an end, we left to continue our journey, while all of them, with their wives and children, accompanied us out of the city. After kneeling down on the beach to pray, we said farewell to one another and boarded the ship, and they returned home. When we completed our voyage from Tyre, we reached Ptolemais, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. The next day we left and came to Caesarea, where we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. This man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. After we had been there for several days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. He came to us, took Paul's belt, tied his own feet and hands, and said, This is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, both we and the local people pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul replied, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Since he would not be persuaded, we said no more, except the Lord's will be done. After this, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea also went with us and brought us to Nason of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we were to stay. When we reached Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters welcomed us warmly. The following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. After greeting them, he reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard it, they glorified God and said, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are who have believed, and they are all zealous for the law." But they have been informed about you that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to abandon Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or to live according to our customs. So what is to be done? They will certainly hear that you've come. Therefore do what we tell you. We have four men who have made a vow. Take these men, purify yourself along with them, and pay for them to get their heads shaved. Then everyone will know that what they were told about you amounts to nothing, but that you yourself are also careful about observing the law. With regard to the Gentiles who have believed, we have written a letter containing our decision that they should keep themselves from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from what is strangled, and from sexual immorality. So the next day Paul took the men, having purified himself along with them, and entered the temple, announcing the completion of the purification days when the offering would be made for each of them. When the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd, and seized him, shouting, Fellow Israelites, help! This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people, our law, and this place! What more? He has also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian in the city with him, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. The whole city was stirred up, and the people rushed together. They seized Paul, dragged him out of the temple, and at once the gates were shut. As they were trying to kill him, word went up to the commander of the regiment that all Jerusalem was in chaos. Taking along soldiers and centurions, he immediately ran down to them. Seeing the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander approached, took him into custody, and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He asked who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing and some another. Since he was not able to get reliable information because of the uproar, he ordered him to be taken into the barracks. When Paul got to the steps, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. For the mass of people followed, yelling, Get rid of him! As he was about to be brought into the barracks, Paul said to the commander, Am I allowed to say something to you? He replied, You know how to speak Greek? Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt some time ago and led 4,000 men of the assassins into the wilderness? Paul said, I am a Jewish man from Tarsus of Cilicia, a citizen of an important city. Now I ask you, Let me speak to the people. After he was given permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned with his hand to the people. When there was a great hush, he addressed them in Aramaic. Brothers and sisters, listen now to my defense before you. When they heard he was addressing them in Aramaic, they became even quieter. He continued, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strictness of our ancestral law. I was zealous for God, just as all of you are today. I persecuted this way to the death, arresting and putting both men and women in jail, as both the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify about me. After I received letters from them to the brothers, I traveled to Damascus to arrest those who were there and bring them to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was traveling and approaching Damascus, about noon an intense light from heaven suddenly flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, Who are you, Lord? He said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the one you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but they did not hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. I said, What should I do, Lord? The Lord told me, Get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told everything that you have been assigned to do. Since I couldn't see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me, and went into Damascus. Someone named Ananias, a devout man according to the law, who had a good reputation with all the Jews living there, came and stood by me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And in that very hour I looked up and saw him, and he said, The God of our ancestors has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear the words from his mouth, since you will be a witness for him to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you delaying Get up and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. After I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him telling me, Hurry and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. But I said, Lord, they know that in synagogue after synagogue I had those who believed in you imprisoned and beaten. And when the blood of your witness Stephen was being shed, I stood there giving approval and guarding the clothes of those who killed him. He said to me, Go, because I will send you far away to the Gentiles. They listened to him up to this point, then they raised their voices shouting, Wipe this man off the face of the earth! He should not be allowed to live! As they were yelling and flinging aside their garments and throwing dust into the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks, directing that he be interrogated with the scourge to discover the reason they were shouting against him like this. As they stretched him out for the lash, Paul said to the centurion standing by, Is it legal for you to scourge a man who is a Roman citizen and is uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went and reported to the commander, saying, What are you going to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. The commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, he said. The commander replied, I bought this citizenship for a large amount of money. But I was born a citizen, Paul said. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately. The commander, too, was alarmed when he realized Paul was a Roman citizen and he had bound him. The next day, Since he wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews, he released him and instructed the chief priests and all the Sanhedrin to convene. He brought Paul down and placed him before them. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience to this day. The high priest Ananias ordered those who were standing next to him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. You are sitting there judging me according to the law and yet in violation of the law, are you ordering me to be struck? Those standing by said, Do you dare revile God's high priest? I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, replied Paul. For it is written, You must not speak evil of a ruler of your people. When Paul realized that one part of them were Sadducees and the other part were Pharisees, he cried out in the Sanhedrin, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. I am being judged because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, and neither angel nor spirit. But the Pharisees affirm them all. The shouting grew loud, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party got up and argued vehemently. We find nothing evil in this man! What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him. When the dispute became violent, the commander feared that Paul might be torn apart by them and ordered the troops to go down, take him away from them, and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Have courage, for as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so it is necessary for you to testify in Rome. When it was morning, the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves under a curse not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 who had formed this plot. These men went to the chief priests and elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a solemn curse that we won't eat anything until we have killed Paul. So now you... Along with the Sanhedrin, make a request to the commander that he bring him down to you as if you were going to investigate his case more thoroughly. But before he gets here, we are ready to kill him. But the son of Paul's sister, hearing about their ambush, came and entered the barracks and reported it to Paul. Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the commander, because he has something to report to him. So he took him, brought him to the commander, and said, The prisoner Paul called me and asked me to bring this young man to you, because he has something to tell you. The commander took him by the hand, led him aside, and inquired privately. What is it you have to report to me? The Jews, he said have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the Sanhedrin tomorrow, as though they are going to hold a somewhat more careful inquiry about him. Don't let them persuade you, because there are more than forty of them lying in ambush, men who have bound themselves under a curse not to eat or drink until they have killed him. Now they are ready, waiting for your consent. So the commander dismissed the young man, and instructed him, Don't tell anyone that you have informed me about this. He summoned two of his centurions and said, Get two hundred soldiers ready with seventy cavalry and two hundred spearmen to go to Caesarea at nine tonight. Also provide mounts to ride so that Paul may be brought safely to Felix the governor. He wrote the following letter. Claudius Lysias to the most excellent Governor Felix. Greetings. When this man had been seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them, I arrived with my troops and rescued him because I learned that he is a Roman citizen. Wanting to know the charge they were accusing him of, I brought him down before their Sanhedrin. I found out that the accusations were concerning questions of their law and that there was no charge that merited death or imprisonment. When I was informed that there was a plot against the man, I sent him to you straight away. I also ordered his accusers to state their case against him in your presence. So the soldiers took Paul during the night and brought him to Antipatris as they were ordered. The next day they returned to the barracks, allowing the cavalry to go on with him. When these men entered Caesarea, and delivered the letter to the governor, they also presented Paul to him. After he read it, he asked what province he was from. When he learned he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing whenever your accusers also get here. He ordered that he be kept under guard in Herod's palace. Five days later, Ananias, the high priest, came down with some elders and a lawyer named Tertullus. These men presented their case against Paul to the governor. When Paul was called in, Tertullus began to accuse him and said, We enjoy great peace because of you, and reforms are taking place for the benefit of this nation because of your foresight. We acknowledge this in every way and everywhere. Most excellent Felix! with utmost gratitude. But, so that I will not burden you any further, I request that you would be kind enough to give us a brief hearing, for we have found this man to be a plague, an agitator among all the Jews throughout the Roman world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to desecrate the temple And so we apprehended him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to discern the truth about these charges we are bringing against him. The Jews also joined in the attack, alleging that these things were true. When the governor motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, Because I know you have been a judge of this nation for many years, I am glad to offer my defense in what concerns me. You can verify for yourself that it is no more than twelve days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem. They didn't find me arguing with anyone or causing a disturbance among the crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogue or anywhere in the city. Neither can they prove the charges they are now making against me. But I admit this to you. I worship the God of my ancestors according to the way, which they call a sect, believing everything that is in accordance with the law and written in the prophets. I have a hope in God, which these men themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection, both of the righteous and the unrighteous, I always strive to have a clear conscience toward God and men. After many years, I came to bring charitable gifts and offerings to my people. While I was doing this, some Jews from Asia found me ritually purified in the temple, without a crowd and without any uproar. It is they who ought to be here before you to bring charges, if they have anything against me. Or let these men here state what wrongdoing they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin, other than this one statement I shouted while standing among them. Today I am on trial before you concerning the resurrection of the dead. Since Felix was well informed about the way, he adjourned the hearing, saying, When Lysias the commander comes down, I will decide your case. He ordered that the centurion keep Paul under guard, though he could have some freedom, and that he should not prevent any of his friends from meeting his needs. Several days later, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and listened to him on the subject of faith in Christ Jesus. Now as he spoke about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became afraid and replied, Leave for now, but when I have an opportunity, I'll call for you. At the same time, he was also hoping that Paul would offer him money. So he sent for him quite often and conversed with him. After two years had passed, Portius Festus succeeded Felix, and because Felix wanted to do the Jews a favor, he left Paul in prison. Proverbs chapter 14 Every wise woman builds her house, but a foolish one tears it down with her own hands. Whoever lives with integrity fears the Lord, but the one who is devious in his ways despises him. The proud speech of a fool brings a rod of discipline, but the lips of the wise protect them. Where there are no oxen, the feeding trough is empty, but an abundant harvest comes through the strength of an ox. An honest witness does not deceive, but a dishonest witness utters lies. A mocker seeks wisdom and doesn't find it, but knowledge comes easily to the perceptive. Stay away from a foolish person. You will gain no knowledge from his speech. The sensible person's freedom is to consider his way, but the stupidity of fools deceives them. Fools mock at making reparation, but there is goodwill among the upright. The heart knows its own bitterness, and no outsider shares in its joy. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. There is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way of death. Even in laughter, a heart may be sad, and joy may end in grief. The disloyal one will get what his conduct deserves, and a good one what his deeds deserve. The inexperienced one believes anything, but the sensible one watches his steps. A wise person is cautious and turns from evil, but a fool is easily angered and is careless. A quick tempered person acts foolishly, and one who schemes is hated. The inexperienced inherit foolishness, but the sensible are crowned with knowledge. The evil bow before those who are good, and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. A poor person is hated even by his neighbor, but there are many who love the rich. The one who despises his neighbor sins, but whoever shows kindness to the poor will be happy. Don't those who plan evil go astray? But those who plan good find loyalty and faithfulness. There is profit in all hard work, but endless talk leads only to poverty. The crown of the wise is their wealth, but the foolishness of fools produces foolishness. A truthful witness rescues lives, but one who utters lies is deceitful. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning people away from the snares of death. A large population is a king's splendor but a shortage of people is a ruler's devastation. A patient person shows great understanding, but a quick-tempered one promotes foolishness. A tranquil heart is life to the body, but jealousy is rottenness to the bones. The one who oppresses the poor person insults his maker, but one who is kind to the needy Honors him. The wicked one is thrown down by his own sin, but the righteous one has a refuge in his death. Wisdom resides in the heart of the discerning, she is known even among fools. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. A king Favors a prudent servant, but his anger falls on a disgraceful one. You might assume from the high quality audio and the rad music that Commuter Bible is some kind of highfalutin corporate sponsored rolling and dough podcast, but in actuality, it's made in the office of a dad slash pastor who works on the show late at night after the kids are in bed and early in the morning before the kids get up. That's me. One of the reasons it sounds as professional as it does is that I have a small but generous crew of patrons supporting the work. If you'd like to join them and help this podcast thrive, go to patreon.com slash bible. Today's episode was narrated and orchestrated by me, John Ross, and co-produced by Eric Williamson. Thanks for listening, and remember, happy is the one whose delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night.